It is 9.33. Joining us now is our good friend Barb Lamson in Gardening with Barb and Karen. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen. Good morning to you, too. I know this is about uh, the worst weather we can have for somebody with uh, breathing problems. You know, you've got the asthma, so it's been a tough week for you, I bet. Yes, it has been. It's been a, a good week for um, the work I got done in the house. Oh, just housework. Because when you're, if the thing with asthma, when you're in the weather and it's like this, everything takes so much more energy sure. to breathe. You know, if you just um, just pull a weed in it and you bend over and you're just short of breath or you try and carry a bucket of water. But in the house, if you take out a drawer and you start sorting through <laughs> it to organize it, it requires very little effort. So I had to... Not my favorite thing to do, I have to say. Oh, you and me both do not like to be inside. We like to be out working right. in the garden. So, right. I mean, I can imagine this would be... Yes. I would probably just go <laughs> go to sleep and just... <laughs> well, you know, you, you feel like... you. Uh, summer is short, and you should have accomplished something. So um, that, and then of course, I'm very big on making lists of things to do in the future. And since I have these windows looking out on my gardens, I sit and write notes about um, seeds I want to collect from oh. the garden. <laughs> and you know, I have this is strange, but I have fallen in love with raising plants from seeds, direct seeding them. And it's just uh, it's just another dimension to watch something grow and, uh, and, and things that you didn't plant but came up on their own because they reseeded themselves. And so uh, the, the balsam that I'm raising comes in about five different colors. There's this one color that seeded itself into... Uh, a patch that's about oh maybe a foot and a half across and for some reason it grows taller this color this red color goes taller than any of the other balsam and uh, and it has um, the bloom spike is taller and has more blooms on it okay so so it's a standout it is a standout. Well, now, if they reseeded themselves, generally, because I have the the, is it the columbine, where mm -hmm. I had these beautiful, uh, they're also called granite, granny's bonnets, but mm -hmm. they have the deep purple, but when they reseed themselves, they come back as either white or a lavender. So Yeah, I because think, they're hybridized. Right, so I wonder if that's what's happening with you. You're getting maybe the original ones are coming back well, as... You know, that, that certainly is a possibility. But here's what I've, what I've discovered I have to do. If I wait until after the first frost and start gathering up seed, then I, I lose the color that I don't have a guide there oh, anymore right. yep. for what I want. So I've been taking, this is called florist tape, and it's not real sticky. This is if you were going to make a corsage or something. And I tie it on the stem and just make this little thing like this. And then on the, on the kind of the tail on it, I put down red. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a little piece of tape that you can write on, but yeah, it's, yeah, but, but it doesn't. Uh, it it's not sticky like uh, it has to bind to itself, yeah. otherwise it doesn't stick on, and and that's a great thing to do. So I'm I'm doing that with things I want, and you know I told you I had these uh, kind of a washed out pink um, poppy in my garden, and I kept. Uh, selecting out and throwing those away. The ones so you didn't like, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I didn't like them. So now I've got, and I have to say, 
I didn't select this. I mean, I was going towards a darker red. I've got a dark red double now. Oh, you now. do now? Yes, in one plant. Okay. But okay, so I don't want to pull out that plant and save those seeds. There's a few places where there's some new seeds starting, some new seed pods. So here again, I have to mark it. Even though there's only that one, I might just forget. You know, that is so true, Barb, because there's so many times and I think, well, I'll remember that. And the next year I've forgotten. Yeah. And with Grant, you know, he hybridizes those Asiatic lilies and he has to mark those too because you want to know oh, I cross this one with this one. Yeah. And so that's important if you want to keep track of what you're, yeah, yeah, you're doing. Yeah, you really do. And you know, and here for the first time, because I've got the cannas up in the front garden. Oh, sure. Um, and I can watch them very carefully. I'm observing some differences between cannas, too. Sometimes you think, okay, this is green leaves and it's got red flowers. They're all the same, but they're not, and they're named varieties, and I haven't kept track of the names. So, so now I'm marking them, too, and what I found was it's much better. You know, when we have cannas at the beginning of spring, if you were really lucky, and you were able to save your your uh, roots from from the cannas, and they're nice and healthy. Usually, as soon as we can, we get out and we plant them all in one day. You're much better off if you do some timing on that, because otherwise you have this plot of this color all at once, and then the flowers are done, and you don't leave anything for the bees oh. or even for the birds, and so. By staggering the times on those and planting them maybe uh, at least a week to 10 days apart, you'll have them coming in at different times. I'm going to try that once and just see if, you, if you're not much, much happier having color spread out over a period of time for the bees and the other pollinators. That's assuming you have the time and the organization to, to plan yeah. like that because <laughs> I was going to say I've got so much stuff sometimes like I just got to get this done. I know I know and, and it's all waiting for you there and the, our season is so short right. but you know what I found out it with the cannabis especially I think they like to be planted in the warmer soil Oh, definitely. And, and you shouldn't know, plant those till I think June because otherwise yeah, they just kind of yeah, exactly. And they just do better. And the later ones that I, uh, the early ones that I planted uh, first, uh, they grew, they bloomed earlier, but the blooms weren't anything like the ones I've got up front now. And I always thought that you got one spike mm -hmm. coming up. Well, on these, I have the spike, and on the spike. I have another shoot, which is blooming. So multiple blooms on the same spike. I'm going for that, too. Yeah, I, it's I, I think that's a good idea. Better. Well, I got to <laughs> tell you one thing that's really doing well because of the heat in my garden is the elephant ears. And, of course, that's a tropical. Yes. And they are probably, well, they're at least over six feet tall now. But, the, I mean, there's a leaf that's, how, how much would you say that's at least three and a half feet at long at least yeah. and just uh, in this wide? So what I'm hoping to do before they all get windblown or damaged or something is to you can take and make 
bird baths out of them where you take and put a little uh, nice sand in a little oh, hump. Oh, sand, sand casting. Yeah, sand yeah, casting. I've done that. And yeah. then you put the leaf over top and then you cover it with um, some type of a quick set cement or something. Yes, right. And yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking of doing that. How Have you had good luck with that? I, I have, as a matter of fact. My friend and I used to do that and we would give them away to everybody. And you know what we used? What? We didn't have elephant ears. We used... The big old-fashioned rhubarb. Oh, I've heard that, too. Yeah, the Victorian. And what you do is, when you you do the reverse, so any, you put, you build up your sand. You have to have, a like, a sheet of plywood that you're working on, and you do them in the garage because you don't want them to dry too fast. You don't want them to dry in the sun. So you take and you uh, mound up your sand. Your and plant. it's got to be really nice, smooth sand. Yeah, this is, there's... I Playground think it, sand is probably... Yeah, yeah right. And you mount it up like this. And I always want to get an indentation into the thing so that I can put water in it. Yeah. And then when you you put your uh, uh, cement mix, it's called quick right over that. That's mixed up. And you smooth that out all over. Okay, so then you you just don't touch it. I mean, it, it's... Well, how gonna, thick would you put, make that well, you, concrete or... Cement? It just has to be... So it doesn't break. I mean, if you've got a huge thing and you're going to make it into a birdbath, it's got to have some thickness. Yeah. It's just, you'll see, you'll see. When you come to the edge, you'll see that that you've got enough. I mean, it's got to be, I would say, at least... A couple inches? uh, No, I'd say more like an inch or something. Okay. Yeah, like that. And just try one, you know. Okay. And then when you're absolutely sure that it's dry... You very carefully go underneath into that sand, and with the other hand, you lift it up and turn it over, and then you take a look at it. And so now, the back side was is the side that received the cement. So that you've got the the veins. You know, on any leaf, the veins mm-hmm. are are heavier on the bottom side, and that's what you're after. These wonderful veins. Yeah, the and if you're texture. very careful going to the edge, you get this nice thinner edge looking too on that. So um, well, I'm going to try that, and I know some people then it. seal it with something as well. Sometimes if they paint it, and then they seal it with some. I don't like that look of them being oh, okay. painted. And I don't know that the paint stays on very well. Uh. I've seen that people do that. Just instead of doing that, just leave them in their natural. And if there is something that you can put on cement that you normally would put on cement, I would say, you know, like <clears throat> your driveway, you seal that. Right. <clears throat> something like that. But don't put shellac or something like that on Okay, it. something that, approved. Yeah. Hey, we've got a question from a listener who texted in. Tony has a question. He says, a gardening question. I have red onions planted in pots. They are doing well, but how do I know when to pick them? I want to leave them in the pots as long <coughs> as possible. Well, as long as they're growing, just just keep you know, keep watering them. When they stop growing, you'll know because the tops will flop over and then you can start using them. And what you have to do, Tony, when you take them out of the pots is find some sunny area and let them dry because that's when they form that wonderful shell on the outside. It's just, you know, that flaky paper-like shell. You need that, and that's what keeps them from drying out in the wintertime. So it's uh, when you do that, I just put mine in my porch. 
Um, it's hot in there. It doesn't have sun beating down on it, but it's hot in there. So I put them on paper. If there's any moisture, it'll go into that paper. And then I put a newspaper on top of that again. And, um, you know, you can leave them out there. You know, it won't hurt them um, for... Oh, a month if you had to. If you've still got the, the tops growing, because now all the tops on mine flopped and they're done. Yes. So there's yep. nothing left. So I dug all my onions up. Yep. And mine, I think, flopped early because I didn't keep them well watered. So they... Sure. Yeah, they're small. And they're small. Yeah. In the past, they're I've still had, good. There's nothing yeah. wrong with them. But yeah. they're much smaller than my the usual ones right. I get. So I've, I've actually harvested all mine and mine were mainly white onions and some yellow. So, yes. um, but if, yeah, keep them longer, grow them as big as you can. And, and when yeah, it flops, right. you'll know. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, make a note, Tony, do you, when you, when you uh, planted your bulbs and um, if you're happy with the way they grew and the size of the pot you had, uh, would you have been better off to have a um, maybe a pot that was um, the diameter was instead of maybe 10 inches, it was more 14 inches? You know, they don't have to be in a deep pot. They just nice and wide. They seem to do better when they're grouped together. And well draining too, of course. That's oh, really yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. That goes without saying. They are a plant that I, I've never grown onions in a pot, so that's something yeah. I've never tried. Yeah, well, well, do that. And they don't look bad sitting out on a patio either, or or mixing them in with something. You know, also right now, um, the thing in my garden, the. Uh, the European onion, or it's called the walking onion, that's the one that gets the little onions on top. Oh, yeah. The little okay, so now they have matured, and their little onions on top are dropping off. They go on the ground. If you did nothing else, they would grow right there beside the mother onion. Oh. But what I do is I take, I don't want that many. I don't have that room for that many of these smaller, stronger onions. But I can see why the immigrants brought them with because in the spring, as soon as it warms up, they're in place and they're already growing. And for people who had very little access to different types of foods, uh, having these fresh onions, they're, they're almost about the size of a shallot. shallot. Mm-hmm. And but a shallot is usually mild. They're a little bit strong. They are. You know, yeah. I've been seeing since we're on the topic of, of onions and things that are, well, that that kind of thing. I've seen kind of garlic. Is it time now? I've seen more ads for buying garlic, so I'm thinking it must be getting time to do <coughs> something with garlic. What should we do yeah. now? Yeah. Well, you want to get your soil worked up really well because they like soil that has organic matter in it. So the raised bed should be good. Oh, raised bed would be very good. You could actually, um, well, you could wait. If, if you don't have a garden, it's pretty hard to plant garlic in a pot and keep them over the winter and where they would get sunlight in that unless you had a heated um, uh, greenhouse. Okay. So I would just say, you know, you could, you could buy your garlic bulbs now and you could plant them in pots early in the spring. And um, even before, I mean, when it's cold outside, you could, you could get them started inside. And then as soon as it's warm enough, you could plant the, the garlic outside. Now, But they can <coughs> overwinter, right? Uh, in the ground. They yeah, in the ground. Overwinter. In the ground, they overwinter, as a matter of fact. So I have been planting garlic for so many years. So I dig about half of them every year, bring them in, 
and you treat them just like onions. You put them out so that they dry off really, really well. And um, we should have told Tony this too. Tony, when you pull your onions out, leave at least um, four inches of stem on them. Okay, and then just give them a nice twist. Um, they just really need that. And then when they're dried, then you can cut that off. Well, mine didn't really have any stem on them at all. <laughs> mine didn't have any. I think they yours, dried. Yours dried in the ground. I, I think, think mine just dried in the ground. Yeah, yes. it was okay. So, yeah, yeah. So nature did it all for you. But um, the, the garlic is a great thing. I leave half of them in the ground. And I uh, take half of them home, and we use them all winter long. You have um, varying sizes. If you let them get crowded, you're going to have smaller garlic bulbs. If you space them out, oh my goodness, you know, it's so funny. When we start digging garlic, and we get these, these smaller ones that are about... Teeny well, little ones. About the size of the ones in the store. Yeah. And then you get something that's sitting by itself, and it's so much bigger. And it's just it's just a beautiful thing. And I think we ought to dig every one of these, and we ought to replant them. But when you, ta you don't plant the whole garlic bulb, you do the individual. The cloves, as they the call cloves, them. The cloves, yeah. the sections, right. So each one of those is a plant. And if you had like, you know, four How deep do you put those, Barb? Um, I'd say about, uh, after you worked up the soil really well, about, um, oh, I'd say about, at, so the bottom is at least three inches below, below the soil. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mark them really, really do well. Do you need to mulch those for the winter or not? Yeah, you, all of those things. Okay. Yeah, right. So you wait till it freezes and then mulch? Yeah, right, exactly. The ground is hard. But is now the time to start them or yeah, wait a little can, bit? Well, I, I, I'll say I mean, this. it's hot and dry right Normally, now. Normally, in August, it's much cooler. Yeah. The soil has more moisture in it. But this year, because of this climate change, I would say... You know, why don't you wait till after Labor Day and then get them in and see what the weather is doing. We should get some good moisture and we should put some, um, if you've got leaves, work some leaves in there, you know, so you've got organic material. And then plan. Um, uh, garlic is one thing. I don't move that from spot to spot. I leave it where it's at then. And I'm, but I'm putting in. Um, and, and improving the soil every year as I take things out. I'm not seeing any rain in the near future. And another thing we do at this time of year or in September is plant grass seed. It's the yes. best, one of the yeah. best times to plant grass seed is the fall. So what would you say now, just wait a while till we get a little moisture or, uh, yeah, yeah. or, or um, water the ground or what? I mean, because uh, yeah. I'm going to do some overseeding with uh, some clover. Right. You know, um, uh, I seen um, there was a, a new house built up by us and they seeded that but they kept sprinklers on that constantly you can get it to grow but it's not a good bet for you um, I would say with the heat um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put in a whole yard of you know that I had to seed to grass now the chances are I mean, it's going to cost you a fortune in water how late is too late because sometimes you can overseed in November and then just it just yeah then in the spring you get the yep. spring rains and it comes up so maybe you just wait till if, if you're just going to do some patching that's yeah. that's okay. fine to do that it's when people 
decide to do the whole lawn at one time. Sure. That's when it's difficult. And can you imagine all this cold city water going on, this grass seed? And it needs water to germinate. Right. It really does. And it, you know, almost as hot as it's been, it om- the, the soil just dries out so fast. Got another uh, question from a listener. Her name is Jolene. She said, good morning. I need grapevine advice. Mom's ancient grapevine produced a ton of grapes this year. So far, I have three gallon ice cream pails full. I have never done anything to the vines in the fall. Should I? And I don't know anything about grapes. Yeah. Well, Jolene, it depends on how much space you've got. And if your vine is getting out of control, you might want to do some pruning on that. Now, maybe you have just one vine and then... Um, you have all these branches coming off from that. So tr- uh, trim back some of the branches. Don't take out that main vine. You know, if you were growing domesticated um, grapes, you would probably, if you planted a new vine, you would have maybe five or six of the sh- uh, branches coming out and leave it at that. Because the um, the the mother plant or the main branch, the main plant that you planted can only support so much. And sometimes people get all, um, they get all wood, I mean all vine, and they don't get any berries at all. So when you keep, keep, keep thinning it back, and well, you so could do would that you do, now. you know, so some things when we talk about pruning, Barb, you say don't prune any more than one third. Is that the same, do you think, for grapevines? Yeah, or what do you think? I, I, I would just, and, and spacing is important too. And the direction, you know, you, a grapevine really needs a trellis or an arbor or something to, to support itself on. And when the branches start shading each other out, you know, that's not good. You're not going to get flowers then. So you just maybe take every other one. And and uh, you wouldn't, if you've never pruned before, you wouldn't want to take a whole third. Just just start. And But if, um, if you're happy with the grapes you got now and you weren't happy before, um, it may be because we had an early spring and we had a lot of rain. And then I would say you've probably got lots of new growth on there. I would say take some of that off. Okay. All right. Very good. I appreciate the listeners asking questions. And if you have any, you can always text us at 507-389-5678. You know, Karen, I have one more thing that's blooming now that I don't think we appreciate. And that's the uh, Japanese anemone. It, now, it, I don't have any of those. And it's beautiful. It has a smaller pink flower on it. It has a yellow center, and it has a white edging on it. It's so, um, it gets multiple flowers on each stalk. And this year is the best it's ever bloomed and growing. It's it. Yeah, the foliage is perfect. Nothing has bothered it. The flowers are perfect. How tall is that? Um, it can get, um, I'm going to say, three feet tall. Okay. Maybe 40 inches. Doesn't flop or anything? Does it what? Flop? No, it doesn't. So it's, it's sturdy. sturdy. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't need support for anything. Um, and talking about things that don't flop, my um, Mexican petunia that I put in every year, that I started growing in um, in Savannah, Georgia, uh, and 
this year. So it's an annual? or a Oh, it's an annual oh, okay. here. It, but in Georgia, it's zone 8. Oh, sure. It's a perennial. And here, they do so much better than they do there. Because it's not as hot? or um, I think the soil is just that much better. Okay. Uh, every place we've been in Georgia, we've had clay. So, you know, clay is... That so red stuff, really right, red. Right. And this week, on one of the uh, plants, I had 20 purple bell-shaped blooms. And I'm telling you, the hummingbird just thought it was Christmas. It was in there bzz, 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 flying around. Oh, it was so busy. And so were the bees in there. They just absolutely loved it. The thing I don't like about that plant is those blooms only last one day. Oh. But you've got a profusion of buds that open up the next day. Do you need to deadhead them to keep them going then? No, they fall off by themselves. Oh, they just do. Okay. And But they need to be watered. You have to keep them watered. So, yeah, beautiful plants. Well, Barb, you know how I said I wasn't going to buy any more plants? Yes. Well, you know, now this time of year, the, the uh, catalog companies are coming out with really great sales. Oh, yes, of course. And so the, uh, this one that I've ordered from before had hellebores. They're normally 30 some dollars each. They yeah. had them for $10 each. So I bought a couple hellebores that I ordered oh. through the, the mail. But, you know, those are the ones, they're, they're the first things to bloom in spring. And Christmas the, that, cactus, they call them. And that bloom lasts, I mean, for weeks and weeks yes. and weeks and yes, weeks. Yes, it does. And so I'm going to be putting those amongst my hostas, spit, uh, putting them in there for a little early spring color. So I think they'll look really good in with the hostas yeah. uh, because they, they have nice foliage. They can the take the shade. A and um, I've never had an insect problem with the with the foliage or a disease problem either. So that is really nice. I'm just wondering how, you know, they'll come probably, I'm guessing bare root maybe, how they'll do this fall, I, I need to, I haven't got them yet, but need to keep them watered, well watered. And yeah, and put them in some really good soil. And then um, when the we get the hard frost, then go ahead and really mulch them well. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. I just thought, you know, normally they're 30 bucks each, and I thought 10 bucks each, so I hope they're decent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we really appreciate hearing from our listeners. So, Tony and our last caller. Jolene. Jolene, we just, we we love hearing your questions because we want to know what people are growing, what they're raising, and what they, if successes and failures are. If you ever have a failure and you'd care to share that with us, we'd love to hear from you too because, <laughs> boy, we've sure had a lot of failures, including overplanting, underplanting. Yeah. Um, just uh, not following through with our plans that we make. We're very good at planning here at the station. And then follow through, uh, sometimes not so yeah. much. I just got a note back from Julie, she says the... The grapevines are on a fence, so they grow on both sides. She says, I just, I can just leave them easily. I just didn't know if I should. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, at some point, you might decide, Jolene, that, uh, that you want to thin them out a bit. Just wait and see next year if you get really good um, uh, grapes again, then you're okay. But if you start getting fewer, then. you know you have to prune off a couple of those branches. It doesn't have to be drastic, and don't be afraid to do that. I'll tell you, these native grapevines, they, they are hardy. You get smaller grapes on them, but the taste is wonderful, and uh, and the birds love them, too. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Barb, it's always so great to have you in, and uh, 
thank goodness it's cooler, so hopefully you'll be able to be able to get outside a little bit more. And I hope so. I hope yeah, so. and thanks yeah. for coming in this morning. Well, thank you. It's fun to be here with you and to talk gardening. Absolutely.